Everybody, welcome to Down and Out, the sports and entertainment podcast, taking the world by storm. Dom Tibbetts alongside Evan Ryer, what two up? sports quote-unquote professionals, giving our best shot at the world of podcasting. But we like to have fun, keep things loose, a lot to get to today. First off, as always, shout out JD Masters and boot up Man in the Mirror, our intro, outro music. Go show them some love. YouTube, SoundCloud, anywhere you stream music, anywhere you stream our podcasts like Apple, Spotify, Google, Stitcher. You can find our boys, JD Masters and Buddha, friends of the program, friends of ours. Evan, happy Friday. We have a action-packed weekend of football. That's the name of the game, folks. Evan said it right before we started recording. Get ready. We are overload on football pretty much through the fo- through the Super Bowl with a smattering of other things as they become relevant. But today's topic, it's, it's all about the NFL. It's all about the divisional playoffs. And Ev, holy cow, what a slate it would be. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's pretty much ideal uh, to to the like the matchups we're getting this weekend. I mean, all eight of these teams are teams that you can you know you can see a world in which they win the Super Bowl. I feel like, and mm-hmm. that was kind of the 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 beauty of some of the ugliness of the uh, NFL season this year was the fact that. You know, everybody was getting beat, you know, like the Bills are losing to the Jaguars. Right. You know, mm-hmm. the, the the Bengals are going down 14-0 to the Jaguars. The, the, uh, the Chiefs start off 3-4. and four. Like, yeah, it, it all it all begins to, to make sense. You know, Tampa Bay can't beat the New Orleans Saints to save their lives, you know. In week eight, when we were watching, like, the Chiefs lose to, I don't know, the, you know, the 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 Raiders or whatever we were like well you know nobody's actually that good and this kind of stinks like why are we watching bad football but it's all it's all been worth it if you ask me because like you know especially after a wild card round that was a bit chalkier and a, you know a couple more blowouts than you kind of hoped for uh, I think we're gonna get a uh, you know get get kind of the other end of the spectrum I think I think po- it's possible that all four of these games are you know field goal, late, late game, winner type stuff. You know, they all have that potential. They um, absolutely do. And that starts on Saturday with the uh, Bengals and Titans in Nashville. And that's probably the – what's interesting that I also feel like how it always works is that, you know, you've always got, like, these high-profile marquee matchups, and then you've got games like this, you know, between two fan bases that are passionate. You know, absolutely, you know, what this game's going to be – this atmosphere is going to be nuts. But on a national scale, the Bengals and Titans are about as small as you get um, in terms of just, you know, national recognition. And, uh, you know, they're playing for an AFC championship spot. And, man, I honestly – so, you know, Rappaport just tweeted that, you know, Derrick Henry's being, uh, uh, you know, activated today. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I already kind of thought we were under the notion we're expecting Derrick Henry to be playing. I, I, I was too, but we then hit Friday, you know, it's today, mm-hmm. and he had still not been activated over the past – few days so i was like what the hell um i'd be curious to see what his actual workload looks like you know what i mean like i think uh i think he's definitely you know they're going to try and get him the ball as much as possible you know i would expect at least 15 total touches but at the same time i mean we're talking about a guy that you know there was a lot of you know i would say even five years ago derrick henry doesn't play in this game like mm-hmm. even five six years ago 2015 you know, or wow, that's seven years ago now. Fuck, dude, we're, yeah, we're we are old. Another uh, another harsh reminder that we are old. But but you know, it's crazy what the med, you know medical technology and everything else and recovery process nowadays. Like I, I mean, it's it's truly insane. So I uh, I'll, I'll you know I, I think they try to you know obviously get him very very involved. But at the same time, I mean, you can't you know just be like, all right, Derek, here's thirty handoffs. You know, I mean, that's I don't I don't know if if he's necessarily in the place to make the most of that, I guess. Yeah, I'll, I'll be curious to see that, too. I mean, because if you're if you're a Titans fan, I mean, th- this Rappaport news is probably coming a lot later than you'd want to be able to hear it. And it does make you wonder if him being activated so late is 
you know, a, a cause for concern of exactly what you said, Ab, is how much of the workload are they going to be able to put him through? Now, granted, to the to the Titans' credit, you know, they locked up a number one seed. They did it without him when a lot of people said, oh, the Titans are screwed. They're not going to have anything if they don't have Derrick Henry. But to be fair, though, you know, if you, if you want to, you know, solidify yourself as a clear favorite for this AFC championship. It'd be great to have Tractor Cito back there to add that other dynamic to your offense. Uh, he's, I think, regardless of how healthy or not he is for this game, when he's on the field, if he gets there, it's going to be an attention grabber, and hopefully that you know that that'll open up routes in the passing game if you're Ryan Tannehill to. Um, to his guys as well. So if if I'm a Titans fan, I'm hoping that at least Derrick Henry suits up there. And it's kind of like that old like that that old high school football notion. Like your, your big guys get off the bus first to intimidate the other team. Just get like put Derrick Henry on the fucking field. Just get him on there, and then just let everybody have the fear of God about him running you over and stiff arming the life out of you. Just get into their soul and then beat them down the field in the passing game. But we shall see. We shall see. I I, I guess I'll kind of take my pick here on this one. I'm I'm going to go with the Titans. Uh it's it's solely because I really have a lot of question marks about uh Cincinnati's pass defense. And really, you know, if if everything that I've been kind of saying here is going to come into fruition, then I I I don't see Ryan Tannehill having any problem, you know, airing this one out all over the Cincinnati defense. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, like you kind of mentioned, the presence of Derrick Henry is as important as anything else. Um, Just the fact that you have to account for him, Mm -hmm. you know, even if he's only going to get, you know, 15, you know, touches in the game, that is still, you know, a a big deal. I also, this is kind of a prediction. This is kind of a, like, uh, just a, a more of like, doesn't this vibe, like, doesn't this seem possible? You know, Julio Jones did not have a great first season in Tennessee. You know, he got injured some. When he was playing, he wasn't really making a ton of huge plays. He mm-hmm. looks like he's, you know, kind of over the hump officially at this point. You know what I mean? I, I think it makes a lot of sense that Julio Jones kind of turns back the clock, so to speak, in the playoffs. Maybe he doesn't, you know, break away for 80-yard touchdowns, of course, but, you know, showing off, like, those just absolutely magical hands, you know, being the guy that, you know, they kind of thought he would be, it would make sense for it to click now, you know what I mean? Um, guy who's and, been uh, there, too, been, been in yeah, that situation. Yeah, I mean, he's played in the Super Bowl, he's, he's been, he's, he's done that, so... Uh, you know, it, it, he should be ready for that. And, uh, yeah, I'm uh, – at least for my pick, uh, I am going to go with the Titans as well. I know we kind of didn't talk about the Bengals much at all just now, but really I feel like, you know, this game is – who knows? Maybe the Bengals go out there and drop 50 points. If they do that, they're obviously going through. I mean, that's – you know. That's well, so I, I, I think we but, can both agree on the fact that it's not unheard of. Like, Joey, like, we're, we're Burrow. I'm, at least I'm a Burrow guy. I, I, I know you weren't in, when he was in college, but you like Burrow now to a – to a certain degree, and I, I definitely don't take that out of the equation that, you know, Jamar Chase and T. Higgins and Joe, I mean, Joe Mixon's had a great year for Cincinnati as well, so I don't want the, the, the all the Tennessee talk to misconstrued my belief in Cincy's offense, but I, what, I, what I'm just fearful of is that, you know, Joe Burrow, Jamar, T., Joe, all these weapons for Cincinnati can have a day, but if you just if if you can't stop Tennessee's offense, I, I think if it goes to shootout v shootout here, I think Tennessee is always going to have that advantage at the end of the day on this one, especially with them just being at home too. Crazier things yeah. have happened, but that's that's kind of why I, I didn't really even want to get into the Bengals because we all know what they have and we know they're a very good offensive team. I just I'm very very skeptical on them defensively. Yeah, and I think uh, you know we you brought up Joe Mixon last episode and how quiet kind of his really really good season has been. That'll be another thing, you know. I mean, Tennessee's going to try and maintain possession and keep that uh, you know Cincinnati offense off the field. You know, the the Cincinnati needs to look kind of at the same like they need to make sure that you know they are also able to establish the run and and I think they'll definitely try to now. You know, we were talking about that there's some concerns with the Bengals defense. 
I had concerns with the Titans off defense coming into the season, mm-hmm. but they have really turned it on in this back half. So, I mean, they allowed, you know, uh, they, they kind of, you know, they barely beat the Texans in the last week of the season to get to the, get the buy, you know, and stuff. And that was yep. not a great look, but I mean, in the weeks coming up to that, I mean, the most amount of points that they, that they had allowed in the previous six weeks was 17. Um, I mean, you know, and if that's, I mean, the way I see it is that if I'm a Titans fan, I'm looking at my defense saying, can you go hold Burrow to 17? If you guys can do that, then we win this game. And quite frankly, the Raiders held them to what, 26, 23 in that win? So, I, I and, mean, yeah. And it's, I mean, that was it's there. there. Yeah. So, I think so too. I mean, I definitely think it's there. And, and like you said, I mean, I think, I think Cincinnati's defense is kind of the weakest link on all sides of the field here. Um, and Tennessee's defense would have been that, but they've really actually stepped up this year. Now it's kind of going to be, you know, can Ryan Tannehill continue to, you know, win big games, which he's proven that he, he doesn't have an issue playing in a big spotlight. Um, but, you know, we'll, it, it'll be, you know, I think at the end of the day, you gotta, you gotta think that Tennessee stars have to show up and I think they will, but that's kind of what's going to have to be crucial is that AJ Brown, Julio Jones, uh, Derek Henry are going to have to be those dudes on uh, on Saturday. Yep, I'm with you there. So, with that being said, let's move on to the 8:15 game on that that Saturday slate. Niners taking on the number one seed, coming off fresh off their bye, the Green Bay Packers, the NFL's best team. Niners pulling off a little bit of magic against the Cowboys. God bless you, Kyle Shanahan, uh, taking on the Green Bay Packers, led by Aaron Rodgers. I I just want to say, the lead-up to this, how many times on, whether you're watching ESPN or just social media this week, have you seen that that graphic of Shanahan, McVay, and LaFleur when they were all on the football team together? I, I cannot tell you how many Many times I have seen that graphic this week leading up to this game, and I, and it's just it's 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 hysterical that everybody keeps equivalating it to like you know three of the four th- you know three of the four NFC teams that we have in, in these playoffs. It's madness, but that was kind of my first takeaway as I'm like, are we really concerned about these games, or do we want to just keep showing this graphic? But nonetheless, uh, this. Listen, the Niners are a magical team, and we've seen them, you know, kind of come into their own and win big games down the stretch here, including last week. Uh, but Green Bay, that's a to me, that's a tough challenge to take down. Green Bay is hot. Yeah, and I mean, undefeated at home this year. Um, just a you know, being the team that you expect out of the Green Bay Packers when they're playing at Lambeau. Um, it's also kind of hard to just go against. I mean, Aaron Rodgers. I mean, it's 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 uh it's it's been another you know like really great year for him. Even though he's battled injuries, even though you know the entire season there's been you know oh it's does he actually want to be there? You know, does he actually mm-hmm. want to play in uh, in Green Bay? Well, whether he does or he doesn't, you know, I mean, you can uh, we can officially say that uh, Rodgers' production didn't really dip off on his own accord um, this season. I think uh, I think this is a much tougher game than the Cowboys. Uh, the Cowboys are a very talented team, but you know Mike McCarthy is not a fantastic coach. You know that <laughs> you know you're going to be in that game. Whereas I think Matt Lafleur is a really solid coach. I think he's got his own issues, but a really solid coach, and he obviously knows Shanahan very well. Um, I, uh, I I think the key for the 49ers, at least in terms of making it a game, in terms of you know giving themselves a chance to win late, is the same deal as it's going to be as it was last week, and all you know as far as they go, which is can you get you know Elijah Mitchell four yards a carry and twenty handoffs? Can mm-hmm. he go get eighty to ninety to hundred yards? Um, can Devo Samuel take five to seven handoffs for, uh, uh, you know, the 30 to 40 yards that he typically gets with that? I mean, he's averaging nine yards a rush this season, which is just insane. Um, that is wild. And he's averaging six rushes a game. Uh, wild stat that I found was that uh, if Devo gets more than six handoffs in a game, the 49ers are 7-0. Are and 0. Um, they're three and seven the rest of the way. So, so what you're telling me is bet that Shanahan draws up six consecutive jet sweeps to open up the game just to get yeah, it out of the way. Yeah, it's very possible. Just, uh, <laughs> just knock it out. Um, and of course, Jimmy Garoppolo. Uh, you know, I mean, he's got a, 
it, it, it's one of those things where he really didn't look that great against the the Cowboys after the opening drive or two. You know, he, he had some really nice throws early, right? And uh, he did make a couple clutch throws down the stretch. But at the end of the day, I mean, he's going to have to play better in this game for them to win. But you know, the last time the 49ers and the Packers faced off in the playoffs, uh, he threw for 37 yards, and the 49ers won by four scores. That is, that was um, the Raheem Moser coming out game. Four touchdown, rem- Raheem right? Moser, yeah, yeah, two forty, whatever. I mean, it was. You know, I remember watching that game. Holy Elijah bro. Mitchell could Elijah Mitchell could you know kind of make his debut on a bigger national level because I think everyone, I think people in the NFC West and kind of on the West Coast have paid attention to him, but I don't know if he's really gotten that that that. Uh, that level of attention that he deserves as a like fifth, sixth round, you know, rookie running back going out there and kind of James Robinsoning it, but even you know, uh, but but he got drafted. So I'm going with the Packers. Uh, just to sum it up, I'm going with the Packers. I think mm-hmm. I think they're uh, I think Rodgers is just going to be too much to handle, like offensively. Um, but that defense is great. I mean, that's that's uh, that's what's so hard is that. If I'm a 49ers fan, I believe in the potential to go on a Super Bowl run. Straight mm-hmm. up, just because that defense is legit, your run game is great, and if Jimmy Garoppolo just makes the, the two or three throws that he has to make a game, you'll win. Um, I well, think and the Niners are close, in the best but... position. They're in the best position any playoff team could be in right now, and that's there's no pressure on them. They just get to go out and ball. There's there is there's no there's no other expectations other than just to go out and play football and give people a competitive game. You know, this this is the underdog role that I think every team would kill for, just because you just get you know get to go out and play loose. I think all all the pressure is on Aaron Rodgers. Is you know can he get his guys to his you know can he get out of the division? He'll get to a NFC Championship, win that, and get to the Super Bowl. So I I love the, the Niners' position here. I really do. But I'm like I'm kind of like you, man. I really cannot go against a team that's eight and zero at home. Twelve degree weather at Lambeau. That place is gonna be rocking. I mean, that's that's bread and butter territory for Aaron Rodgers and, and company. Yeah, I uh, well, what I was gonna say too is that like you know this is you know obviously the game in Tampa is like not quite that, but. Yeah, I mean, 37 degrees in Nashville, 12 degrees in Lambeau, uh, 38 in Kansas City. You know, all outdoors, all going to be, you know, classic January weather, something to, to be excited about. Um, but, but yeah, Packers at home, 12-degree weather in Lambeau. I mean, who knows? Maybe it's a grind. You know, if, if I will say this. If that game turns out to be like a, you know, a, a, a sloppy, you know, knockdown, dragout type of game, the Packers are in trouble straight up mm-hmm. um the the Packers something I didn't realize until this week have a t- top 10 uh worst defense in the NFL by DVOA as in you know defensive value um like how what type of value are they bringing play to play as a defense okay um they are they are one of the worst in that um that that being said their stats across the board elsewhere don't look as bad because I mean I don't want to be whatever but they play in the NFC North um and uh, no, I mean that's, that's definitely an argument we can make here. No, I don't, I don't think, I don't think you're wrong for that one, not one bit. So, so I, I think there's, you know, it'll be interesting to see how does that Packers defense take, you know, getting punched in the mouth. The Cowboys, you know, opening drive of that of that Cowboys 49ers game, the 49ers went down, didn't like throw the ball deep at all, threw the ball I think maybe a total like air distance of like 25 yards on that drive, and just ran the fuck out of the ball and punched the Cowboys in the mouth and the Cowboys didn't couldn't even recover until the second half like their defense never even fully recovered really that could happen with the Packers I could definitely see a scenario where the 49ers get the ball first go down score punch Mm -hmm. them in the mouth and if you know let's say the Packers you know don't score a touchdown on that ensuing drive like they don't immediately drive down and then the 49ers are in a place to make it a two-score game the Packers are, you know, the team that can come back in this game. If some, if one of the two teams goes down, they are the team that can actually make a comeback. The 49ers are not. Mm-hmm. But the 49ers still are going to be, I mean, like I said, that's going to be tough. That defense is real. That run game is real. Um, and uh, the Packers just need to be firing on all cylinders and kind of bully the, the weak side of that 49ers defense, which is secondary, but... I, I don't know, man. It's uh, that I mean, Nick Bosa is still coming for your ass off that edge. So, um, you know, it, it kind of depends. You know, they got five sacks last week. You know, if they get five sacks this week, I'm, it's gonna be hard for the Packers to win that game. Um, so, 
yeah, man, it, I got the Packers, but it's kind of the same deal as I had last week where I took the Cowboys, but I, I definitely thought it was going to be close. I've, I'm taking the Packers, and I think it's going to be close. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I'm. I'm gonna take the Packers in a, and I would. I'm gonna. I think what's the line five? I. I. Mm, mm, I don't. I. I hate that line. But and I, guess I would take the the Packers to cover it. But I. I too am gonna go with the Packers, and I. I think they might win by about seven or ten. I think just the comfortability of Aaron Rodgers in this situation, being at home, it'll be. An, it'll end up just being a little bit too much for the Niners to handle. But. Again, we've seen crazier things happen. Uh, let's move on. Rams, Buccaneers in Tampa Bay. Uh, a nice 58 degrees. Man, the Rams lucked out, you know, playing in a SoFi stadium yeah, then real. getting to go to Tampa. Um, this game is, quite frankly, Ev, I think, you know, I, I think a lot of these games can be really chalky depending uh, right up until probably till we get to the Bills-Chiefs game. But I, I, I like the Rams here. I really do. And it, and it goes back to something that we have talked about all season long with the Rams. You have put together, you know, you've brought in Matt Stafford. You have the weapons on offense. You get Cam Akers back for the playoffs. You have a, a terrific breakout career year, MVP caliber season from Cooper Cup. Uh, you have oh, the resurrection of Odell Beckham Jr. looking phenomenal with the Rams. And you couple that with what they've been able to do on defense with the freak of nature that is Aaron Donald I I, I if they it's like we said all along if the Rams can't do it this year I just don't know when the fuck they're going to do it again it just they're so they're so stacked they're so good they're so loaded so I I, I think this might be it for Tom and the Bucks I think the Rams might have just might be clicking at the right time and might have just gotten this thing figured out cuz I mean I know Kyler just had a, a, an abysmally terrible night, but mind you, Kyler Murray was under so much pressure and distress that entire wild card game, and he's a mobile quarterback who can get out and escape the pocket. Tom Brady is not, and I get Tom Brady's very smart with the football. He's a guy who will very quickly throw the ball away when he feels the heat coming, but if Aaron Donald and company can get after that ass and, and, and get Tom uncomfortable early... Uh, Leonard with with the with the the health of Leonard Fournette playing in that game being so iffy right now. I I mean the run game is going to take a hit, and you got to hope that Tom can get the time to throw the ball. I I think the Rams can do it here, and I have the Rams winning this game. In in I guess what we're going to call an upset, even though it doesn't really feel like an upset. The Bucks are only favored by two and a half points, and I think they're you know it's maybe if we even move closer to Sunday, that might even creep closer to one and a half, which is basically almost fifty fifty territory. So. I, I'm gonna take Sean McVay and the Rams here. Give me, give me all the coaches uh, that were on that Washington football team graphic, other than Kyle Shanahan, Kyle Shanahan to win this weekend. Yeah, I think, uh, I think this is also like again just another really, really interesting matchup. I, I, man. I want to believe in the Rams. I really do. I really want to believe that the Rams. I'm I'm are I'm this. sipping I'm sipping that jungle juice. I, I mean I, I and I'll go down I'll I'll go down with the roofie if I if that's my my result. I, but I just want you everybody to know that I know what I'm getting myself into. The problem is is that Brady has shown like I mean I would say more so this year than any other year that. His passes don't have the same like zip, um, and and I mean I mean he still went out and put up five hundred five you know fifty three hundred yards. I mean forty three touchdowns. I mean truly an insane year. But those twelve interceptions. I mean there was a stretch there in the back half of that season where it felt like Brady was throwing interceptions like clockwork. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Rams need to the Rams need to look at this game as we have to get two takeaways. We have to go plus two in the takeaway. Um, and, and that's not even, you know, relying on the offense and the defense to do their jobs the rest of the way, but that's like a bonus assignment that the defense has to, to, has to accomplish because I I think the Rams offense is good enough to hang with the Buccaneers, but if they really want to win this game, I, I, I just, I can, I, if I'm the Rams, I'm just trying to avoid any scenario where there's, you know, two minutes and 25 seconds left and Tom Brady's down by four. And he's got the ball. Yeah, oh, and, I, I, I knew right where you were going with that, and I actually started to cringe a little bit because I'm like, yeah, ow, and, ow, it's too the real. Rams, it's too real. The Rams, the Rams are <laughs> supposed to be a really, really talented defense, and they are a really talented defense. But man, they, they, they just there's something about them that makes me nervous. 
Now, when they got beat by uh, the 49ers in that comeback win for the 49ers to go to the playoffs, that was like, I mean, the offense kind of just kaput like in that in that second half. Um, and the defense actually intercepted Jimmy Garoppolo, or you know, or, or didn't intercept him, but uh, forced a fumble at one point. You know, mm-hmm. they they made some plays, but they they still couldn't stop the run. You know, I, I the, the Buccaneers are obviously, I believe they're going to be. You know, it's looking like they're going to be without Leonard Fournette. You know, Rojo is a decent running back, and Keyshawn Vaughn has been. You know, and Gio Bernard have done okay stepping up in that place, uh, but. But, you know, as as sad as it makes me, Lenny's been a different cat in Tampa Bay. Um, I think if they have Lenny, then I I wouldn't even have doubt, I would say, the Buccaneers. Right. Well, because it, it, it takes the pressure off Tom. But it's like you said, though, if you're going to put all that pressure on Tom, it's and, and I'm not saying he's not the one who can handle it, but it's like you were mentioning. Like, you know, he has thrown quite a few picks this year. And God forbid you get him uncomfortable, he throws an early one. Get him psyched out real quick, and then you go, and then you have to take advantage offensively, which the Rams have showed me at least in the past couple, you know, weeks. If you take away the San Francisco loss, that they can do it. Yeah, I think, uh, I think you know, weirdly enough, you know, this sounds like you know, uh, uh, this sounds like a bad idea, but uh, I think I think the Rams are going to approach the game saying, "Okay, Tom, beat us." Tom Brady's got to beat us. We're not going to, you know, you know, you always hear about, you know, out when Alabama was playing Georgia. Okay, well, Stetson Bennett's got to beat Alabama, and then he did. Uh, and Tom Brady, you know, I mean, is used to that pressure. But I don't know, man. I could see I, – I could legitimately see them saying, we're going to stack the run. We're going to put Jalen Ramsey on Mike Evans. We're going to, you know, we're basically going to say, you know, Tom – you're going to have to hit your guys. You're going to have to hit your number two, your number three, and beat us that way. You know, uh, it, it, and I think I, I, what's wild <laughs> is I still think they can definitely do that. So Well, that's what I'm uh, saying. Like, like now I'm like, well, what, does Tom and Gronk connect for three touchdowns and, like, you know, 300-plus yards combined between them and win this game now? Like, it's not out of the realm of Tom Brady's possibility. But, to be fair, that is that is what you have to – if Tom beats you that way, then, you know, the man's still – got it the 43 year old has still got it and you have to tip your cap to him at the end of the day but i agree i think that that is what you need to do yeah uh i'm going you know final verdict i'm going with uh i'm going with the rams yeah but welcome uh, to the dark side i guess i uh, tampa feels like the dark side to me um but yeah, a little but, bit Dude. But both these teams feel like, yeah, uh, uh, Emperor Palpatine telling you to, to do it. Um, so going with the Rams, I'm, I, you know, obviously I don't sound very confident in that uh, choice because I'm not. But going with the Rams, uh, final answer, thank you, Alex. I'll take my money off the air. All right, final game, the 6.30 game, which is weird too because on Saturday you have a 4.30 and 8.15, pretty spaced out. You're only giving yourself three and a half hours before the start of the final game, Bills Chiefs. Seems a little weird, but I will gl- even if that's going to the last drive, I will gladly tune out for the beginning of Bills Chiefs. Rematch of last year's AFC Championship, a week five rematch in which the Bills won 38 to 20. Uh, you all know that they lost the AFC Championship to the Chiefs, but that's irrelevant. That's last year. We don't even think about that anymore. Ev, I'll kind of let you start this one off a little bit because obviously I have some things to say. Uh, this is, I mean, arguably probably what everybody is hoping is to be just the the shootout of all shootouts between Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes. Yeah, um, I uh, I'll, I'll say this much: if the Chiefs play like they did pretty much against the Steelers, especially that first half, they will lose this game and like probably by a couple scores. Um, I think the Bills are are juiced. Uh, they, I think you guys kind of look at the Chiefs as almost like a different team uh, compared to like okay, so you guys have had your your woes this year, right? Where you guys have dropped games against teams that are way worse than you, and you're like, what the fuck? But you guys play up to that level when you guys play the Chiefs. It feels like, or, mm-hmm. or I mean, or, and and people in, can in ar- general against top level competition. Yeah, and people can argue with me all day that the Chiefs were a different team back when the Bills beat them. I, I don't really. I, I mean, yeah, because they were losing, but 
the, every all the pieces of the Chiefs offense were still there. It's not our fault that Patrick Mahomes was trying to do too much. We fucking beat him, and we beat him by 18 points. So I don't I don't read too much into that. I don't think the excuse of all oh, we beat you guys beat a Chiefs team that was different. I think that's a crock of shit. Uh, we beat the fucking Chiefs and we curb stomped them in Kansas City, and I think we could do it again. And like you said, it it comes down to exactly. That a fast start, just like you had against the Patriots, deflate them early and 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 just put put the pedal to the metal or metal to the pedal, however the however the actual saying is, but just stomp on their throats because what the last thing you have to do is what you saw in that Pittsburgh game is Patrick Mahomes and company can rip twenty one points off in like seven minutes and a quarter, un, undeniably. And there there was a couple times where you know Nelson Aguilar, Kendrick Bourne were getting behind our defenders. I mean that's Micah Hyde. I was watching the replay of Micah Hyde's insane interception against New England. Uh, uh, Nelson Aguilar fucking roasted Levi Wallace. And if Micah doesn't make that play, it's probably a touchdown. So uh, Ty- Tyree Kill did it, has done it to us before. And I, I'm sure Travis Kelsey could do the same. And, you know, and Kenny Pringle, McCole Hardman. But it's, uh, it, it's, it's, it's a real, it is a real, you know, threat to the Bills' defense. But I think what it, the key is, is again, you take the formula from the Week 5 win, which is get Patrick Mahomes uncomfortable, get him out of the pocket a little bit, force him to make mistakes, and try to put the game onto his back and start getting some interceptions and some turnovers early. And then, of course, punch it down the throat of their defense and go score a lot of points. Um I, 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 I think, like you said, the Bills are juiced. The only thing I do I do not like, though, and as much as I hate Nick Wright because he's such a Josh Allen hater, I fucking hate Nick Wright for this. I used to actually really like him a lot, but his his denial of Josh Allen's, you know, capability is un... It's, 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 it's very takish football. It's not even looking at the stats. But he did bring up one stat that is kind of true, is that in every game where Josh Allen has had a plus, I think it's like a plus 125 or better passer rating. He had a 157 passer, 157 passer rating against the Patriots. The the immediate game that follows, it always dips below 80. So, really? yeah, Josh has never been able to string together a game of uh, consecutive plus 120, 125 passer rating games. It might, and, and, and who knows, it might not even take another one. 25 to 157 passer rating game to beat the Chiefs, but it would certainly help. So that's the only little bit of slight concern I have. But other than that, I I I I, I really really think the Bills have, have clicked and they you know they're kind of buying into the underdog role. Even though it's there's not there's not really an underdog nor a favorite in this game. It's pretty split down the middle if you ask a lot of people. But it's it's somewhere if if the Bills want to go be serious and go take the Super Bowl. I mean. You, you've beaten the Patriots, you've gotten rid of Big Brother, but now you have to worry about the rest of the conference. And if you can't beat the Chiefs in the playoffs, this becomes the new narrative for the Bills. So let's go out and let's crush that narrative while we have it, and then let's go take the Titans or the Bengals, whoever it may be. Oh, my God. Tell me the Bengals win and the Bills win and we're having an AFC championship in Buffalo. I'll fucking cream my pants. Dog. I will fucking bust a nut. Oh, my God. <laughs> Don't even get me. You, I'm... Uh, you heard it here. Or... <laughs> uh, no, I I think um, that's the thing is that, yeah, I think if the Bills win this game, they're in the Super Bowl straight up. I really do think that they can. Although the Titans do kind of match up well with no, the Bills. No, and, like... and, for, and for some reason, the Titans do always have the fucking Bills number, but we haven't gotten to see them in the playoffs, and we haven't gotten to see them when, you know, things are a little I, different. I would just be so high on, like, a 14-point Bills victory that I would just be like, yeah, I mean, I would expect them to win no matter who they play next week. Um, yeah, this is going to be tough, man. I mean, Arrowhead's just wild, and... Uh, uh, and and you know it's it's cliche and we've kind of already I've already said it once but you know start fast man you gotta take Arrowhead out of it you know you gotta go down there and drop yep. a touchdown you know uh, you know you gotta hit Diggs for a forty yard TD to open up the game and just kind of set the tone that oh shit right I mean that's yeah. how you win on the road in the playoffs and and uh, and and, I, and see I'm not even against them trying to burn some clock to, in the beginning too because you have yeah, had sure. a res, you have had the resurrection of Devin Singletary who's been really good for us in the ground game it's an element that we didn't even really 
really have, nor did we even have to use against the Chiefs in the first time. But I, I would, I, I mean, both scenarios are fine. But I agree with you. If the Bills really want to set the tone, get out on your first possession and get and get a score. Try to get the seven nothing lead. If you if you have to go on defense first, hold them and go get the first score of the game. Yeah, uh, I think uh, you know to kind of get to the verdict here. Um, I think I think I'm gonna ride with Buffalo. Can he get a hey hey? Will uh, I would like to see Buffalo win, and I think this is a toss up, so I'm going with Buffalo. Yeah. Um, okay. But uh, but yeah, man. I mean, it's it's also one of those things where yeah, it, it's. You never know with Patrick Mahomes. You never that defense is still kind of suspect, but they're better. I mean, I I, I don't know. It's gonna be interesting. they they are it's better, but be, it's, uh, but it's not it's like it's it's not like it's it's like an unbeatable team. And you know, I, I I'm not I'm not trying to take away anything from the Chiefs stretch to the end of the season because that was really really special. But I look at the I look at the after the the the, the big loss to the Titans, then they go. You know, they pull off their, you know, their win streak. They beat the Giants, a Rogerless Packer team by six, by six. They then beat the Raiders in Vegas. Then they beat the Cowboys, the Broncos, the Raiders again, the Chargers and Steelers. Then they lose to the Bengals. I, I, I don't know, Ev. I mean, like, the, the, Packerless Roger a Rogerless Packers team is not that impressive to me. The Cowboys to beat the Cowboys at that point of the season I thought was impressive, and the defense looked really really good to hold the best offense in the NFL to nine points. And your division games are important, but you look back in retrospect now the Chargers win isn't that impressive anymore because you only beat them by six, and the Chargers didn't even get themselves in the playoffs. And then you you know you you curb stop the Steelers just like you did in the uh, in the regular in the playoffs. So. I, I don't know. I, I, I don't. I don't think the the, the Chiefs have been this battle tested, and they're about to go, you know, meet the team that arguably people were expecting them to have a rematch in the AFC Championship. Confidence is with the Bills, and and, and it's like you said. I, I, if the Bills win this, I expect them to be like I've said all season long in a Super Bowl. But now it's like, okay, the expectation is here. Can you live up to it? And can you dethrone the Kansas City Chiefs or? Or, or do the Chiefs become the new Achilles heel or the thorn in your heel, I guess, in, in you know the old Patriots term. So that, that's kind of my take on it. I have the Bills here as well, and uh, we're going to ride with them. And God forbid if Cincinnati pulls this off, like I said, folks, I'm going to be one happy camper when we record on Monday or early next week. Golly. Um, I can't wait for that episode. I also nah. can't wait to make money. Yeah, I can't either, Ev. And to do that, we need to go to the cash grab and hear a word from our sponsors. But when we come back, little little NBA and a little MMA. That's right, UFC 270 this weekend as well. That's on Saturday night for those who maybe are not going to be tuned into the football games or maybe just want to have TVs everywhere and you just want to watch a whole bunch of sports. We got you covered when Down and Out returns right after this. Hey guys, Dom here. I want to tell y'all about Anchor.fm. Yes, Anchor.fm. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. First off, it's free and there's tons of creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Don't know how to get your final product on all the major streaming platforms? Have no fear. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on places like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast all in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started and tell them Down and Out sent you. All right, let's get back to the show. Welcome back. Thanks for sticking with us. Second half of Down and Out is underway, and we begin with a quick flashback to what we are talking about. Actually, real quick, Ev, before we move on to the NBA, um, Jessica Pagula, the daughter of the Pagula family, uh, the people who own the Bills, uh, won her fourth-round matchup of the Australian Open and wrote, Bills are next on the bench she was sitting on at the game. So, 
even more good juju that I forgot to bring up until I was looking at the ESPN headlines now. So um, we have that going for us as well. But going back to what we want to talk about, NBA time and a big news. I guess it's not really big news because it has happened once this season for health concerns. But over in L.A., folks, it's things are just not looking good still. The Lakers lose a really bad game to a really bad bad Indiana Pacers team to drop to one game below 500. They are now technically tied for seventh, but are in the eighth spot off of tiebreakers behind the Minnesota Timberwolves. So they're still stuck in that that postseason uh, playoff tournament that you'd have to be in if the season ended today. And now Russell Wilson, he's coming off the bench. And uh, he, he has publicly said that he's, you know, he's okay with it and he's still focused on the Lakers winning. But to hear Russell Wilson, or Russell, did I, did I say Russell Wilson? Russell yeah, Westbrook. You did, just say, did I say Russell Wilson? Russell Westbrook coming off the bench. Well, I'm glad I caught it. To have Russell Westbrook coming off the bench is a sign of, um, I don't know, maybe just a little bit of that magic from Russ's career just kind of fading away. Yeah, I mean, I think it's, uh, it's, it's, it's uh, as I'm as I saw earlier this morning. Uh, Stephen A. Russell Westbrook needs to accept that he can't shoot. Um, you know, I mean, and that's always been the case with Russ, right? I mean, even at Russ's best in OKC, he mm-hmm. wasn't a terrific shooter. I mean, ever like, and and now that he's a bit older, he doesn't quite have the 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 speed and the the quickness of movement that kind of made you know him so much fun to watch. Watching him drive to the basket, watching him do all that stuff. You know, I I yeah, I think I think it is something that you know he has to kind of figure out a new you know. Uh, a new kind of way that he's useful um, and or how he's the most useful anyways. And that really is probably going to be still holding onto the ball, uh, still kind of running the court, but, you know, not shooting, you know, 10 to 15 times a game, shooting four to five times a game and, you know, dishing it, trying to create space for his teammates and, and playing good defense, which he can do those things. Um, but, yeah, just kind of has to do that in a bench capacity. And I also think it's worth mentioning, too, that when we say, you know, Russell Westbrook's in a bench capacity, we're not talking 10 minutes a game. I mean, this is still a guy that's going to go play, you know, 20, 25 minutes a game. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I mean, but, uh, but, but hey, as long as he's cool with it, I mean, that's what, you know, I mean, he better be cool with it. I don't really know what else he can do in this scenario. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, if he's not cool with it, then the Lakers are just – one, they're going to have even more issues than they're already having right now. And right. really, you know, maybe this is the way that they kind of get to the identity that they need to, to you know, actually be a contender this year. Because that kind of feels like the Lakers' issue still is that they don't really know, like, what type of team they are or what, they, what the game plan is. I mean, of course, LeBron is still averaging in the high 20s, but – that's not, you know, an identity, right? Like, you got to no. have stuff going on outside of that, and it doesn't seem like they know yet. No, it doesn't. And, and I think the big reason why Russ takes his back seat is you've seen kind of the rise of the, the younger guy in Malik Monk, um, formerly a first-round draft pick out of Charlotte, uh, one of those Kentucky guys under Calipari, in case y'all forgot about him. But he, he's kind of been able to take over the role of the facilitator at the point guard spot. He had a really nice game uh, when when the, the Lakers beat the Jazz earlier this week. Uh, he was actually... Oh, actually, sorry, that was the the Pacers game. He put in some decent minutes. He was out the Utah game. Or was he? No. Yeah, he was in the Utah game. They had him rumored out, but he didn't end up playing. But yes, no, because he put in a a solid 14-point game with 25 minutes of contribution. So the the Lakers are starting to look at a guy like him as kind of what I think is going to have to be the new blueprint if they have to figure out anything. It's because the Lakers are are, a roster, quite frankly, having... They're, they're a bunch of old fucking geezers on this roster. Uh, the, the depth chart has the likes of Russell Westbrook, LeBron James, Carmelo Anthony, Trevor Ariza. Uh, these are some old guys, you know? And, and the rest of you look at the rest of the NBA standings. You look at the Suns, the Grizzlies, the the Warriors in the West, those teams have young talent. You know, they have Devin Bookers and John Morantz and the one-two combos of Steph Curry and Klay Thompson. They just don't have that because LeBron can't do everything because LeBron has also been having a lot of health issues this season. Anthony Davis can't get fucking healthy because what else is new? So it's, quite frankly, I, I, I think 
it's not going to happen this year, but when they need to shop around, they're probably going to ditch Russell Westbrook and bring in some youthfulness. Now, you might remember, oh, Dom, no, the Lakers always love drafting youthful players and guys who are really, really good. Lonzo Ball, Brandon Ingram, Dom, it's all been there. No, it hasn't because LeBron wanted to bring his 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 old crew along. So all the youth that the that the Lakers had on their roster is now currently in New Orleans or in Chicago. So uh, <laughs> it's 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 just a it's a, it's unfortunate to see the rest of the league win with young talent, and you very much see that as the recipe for winning success in the NBA. And the Lakers can't find a way with all that talent they still have. And all the experience, they can't find a way to to get it done, and it, it does, it does, it does hurt. It does hurt Laker fans like myself to see us a game below 500 and sitting eighth in the conference standings right now, just two years after winning an NBA championship. Ted scratching to say to say the least. With all that said, come back in like four, you know, three or four months when the Lakers are, you know about to be making their run through the playoffs and to the NBA finals and you know we'll 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 be able to laugh back laugh back yeah well that's the thing as, as long as I just I I don't I hate them being in the seven or the eight or the you know the seven through ten spot because you have to play that one game playoff to even get a chance but I'll tell you even if it is the eight seed Ev, I fucking would hate to be the Suns I would hate to be going against LeBron James yeah, in the playoffs, you know. Yeah, like, don't don't get that twisted. Close. But I want to make sure the the Lakers can have a have the position, even have a home game in that in that one game situation to get themselves into the into the one eight two seven conversation. I, I I want us to at least get to that point. And we still have you know the All Star break coming up, and the West is not so much it's top heavy but it's not so much middle heavy meaning the lakers could string you know a six game winning streak together and you're looking at fifth place in the west you know just like that the problem is is that we just haven't seen any evidence that they can do that it can start tonight Ev, because they play the 8 and 38 orlando magic on the road and if it can't start tonight even with LeBron James being being doubtful for the game, I don't know when it will start. So we'll, we'll have to fact, see. Uh, fun fact, the What's only that? time I've ever seen uh, LeBron James play in person was uh, in Orlando, Florida. So there Ooh. we go. How much, did you remember, how much were the tickets to an Orlando Magic game? Uh, that was Magic versus Cavs, and I think it was 2016. You know, the Cavs. Like, right, oh, so that's a b- big year for the Cavs. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so I think they were like probably over like forty to fifty bucks. The Magic were okay, I think that year too. Yeah, they weren't like abysmal. Um, so so yeah, uh, that's uh, that's you know the weird random fun fact I got. Dom, can you punch me in the face? Um, I could punch you in the face, Ev. But you know who would be a lot funnier to see punch you in the in the face, and it would actually hurt me because of how hard he would hit you. Um, that would be Francis Naganu, Ev, the headlining guy for UFC 270 on Saturday. You've heard all the press. In the case you haven't, I'm going to go through it real quick. Francis Naganu has a punch, folks, who don't know the UFC world, uh, that is the equivalent of a Ford Escort hitting you at full speed. That is, I don't, I don't know how he's legally allowed to punch another human being, um, he is also going against a very hard hitter in Cyril Ghan. Yes, I did look up how to pronounce his name before the show. It is Cyril Ghan, not Ghani or Gain, as I've said before. So apologize to you, Cyril, if you've listened to this and you've heard me mispronounce your name. Please don't beat my ass. Or I'm already scared enough about Francis Naganu. But that being said, this is probably one of the biggest main card fights that we've gotten to see in quite a bit because all the hype around Francis Naganu. This is a good opportunity for himself in that heavyweight division to solidify his legacy as pound for pound the best or fighters in the heavyweight and one of the best all-time fighters in the UFC. Francis Ngannou, quite frankly, have he might he might not lose that belt until he just says, "Eh, you know what? I'm starting to feel the CTE a little bit," or he's just tired. Quite frankly, he's like, "Eh, I'm done. I think I'm I'm good with my money. I can. I'm a little older now. I can call it. We'll see. We'll see how it is. But I mean, I'm sure you've seen all the the hype on Francis Ngannou. The dude's a fucking freak of nature. Oh yeah. 
I, uh, I obviously don't follow USC quite like Dom does, but, I mean, Nagano is one of those guys that's, you know, it's a name that transcends it a little bit, at least in, you know, the past couple years. Um, I, uh, yeah, I mean, that dude is a large motherfucker and, uh, and hits very, very hard. And I probably won't be able to watch uh, the, the pay-per-view on Saturday, you know, especially since the 49ers are playing that night, but... Uh, I can guarantee you that I am excited to see the highlights on Twitter um, and to see people go, like, yeah. holy shit, how did, you know, so-and-so die or not die. Uh, <laughs> uh, did but, you see uh, his face? It caved in. Oh, my God. In. He's got, he's got like, weird cheekbones now. Um, but, uh, yeah, so, no, he's he's uh, he's definitely exciting. I mean, he's one of those, it's, it's, he is one of those guys that, you know, he, even if you're not in the USC, you know about, and you kind of stop and watch when you see him on the screen because, yeah, I mean, just pure raw athleticism mixed with, uh, you know, uh, an extremely sharp technical ability. I mean, you know, it's fun to say the dude punches hard, but, I mean, it's so clear that he's he's as technically sound as, you know, just about anybody as he, he faces these days. So, um, definitely, uh, definitely, like I said, excited to catch the aftermath because I think that's all I'll be able to get. Yeah, and, and and let's not. I won't. I won't. I don't want to take anything away from Ciro Gan. I mean, because he's earned his shot to go against Francis Nagano, and quite frankly, he just has the balls to step in the same ring as Francis Nagano. Uh, he is a slightly better submission artist, uh, very on a very very slight margin than Francis Nagano. But I, I don't. I don't even know if he's even going to get the opportunity to get him on the ground. Uh, Nagano is a guy who wins 75% of his fights by KO or TKO, uh, and the other 25 being submission. So he's predominantly a striker. In case that's uh, not evident by now, he I I, I don't know if if uh, I don't know if Gon's going to be able to get him onto the ground at all. But that would obviously be the the one key thing that he would have a slight advantage against him at. But it's a very very hard man to bring down to the ground. Now I was looking at the rest of the 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 prelims and the early prelims. I, I always take a glance just to see if there's any big contenders coming up. This is where you know we used to see Sean O'Malley fight before his come up to fame. Uh, really, the only other fight. I mean, you have Cody Stammen against. Um, uh, said uh, Nurmagomedov, which is obviously uh, you know guy who's related to Khabib. Uh, I'm pretty sure he fights within his circle. Has to be, I would imagine. So, so I don't actually really know too much about him, but I know Cody Stallman's a guy who is going to come up in that bantamweight division and, and look for his chops. The the other big fight that I really actually think that people, if you're going to tune in, make sure you get to the the second. Uh, main event of the evening, the flyweight title bout between champion Brandon Moreno, a guy who can take more punches than I've ever seen anybody take in my life against the number one contender, Diabison Figueredo, uh, the Brazilian versus the the native from Mexico. This is going to be a really, really good fight too. Where I th- where I kind of think that uh, Francis Ngannou kind of just has his way and, and you know maybe ends this in the second round. I think Figueredo Moreno goes the distance and it's going to be bloody. So if you tune in, make sure you try to get to that second main title fight as well. That's going to be really really good. USC 270, I, it will deliver. I don't know if I'm going to try to pop it on my laptop. And as much as I love the UFC, I you can't. It's really tough. You can't put that on a football night. It's 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 hard. It's hard to take my attention away from the NFL, especially when you know there's a you know, there's a chance that the Niners could upset the Packers. Now, if the Packers do blow the Niners out of the water, and we're talking about a blowout, I will be probably tuning on turning on 270 in the office at work. But hopefully, it doesn't have to come to that. Hopefully, the Niners put on a show enough to keep me uh, to keep me inclined here to keep watching. Um. I'm trying to think, Ev, I think we, we've covered everything here. One last thing uh, to bring up, just because we have a little bit of time left before we have to call this a wrap. Evan and I, you've heard us talk a lot of college football. He's the Bama guy, the ultimate recruiter in Nick Saban. The recruiting videos this week on Twitter have been of college coaches hitting the recruiting trail and what they're doing to get around and visit all these high schools, Ev, is absolutely just the crazy world the college football summed up. Uh, for reference, 
Kirby Smart flying all over southern Georgia and into northern Florida. He hit a whole bunch of high schools that I cover, so got got to see that. That was pretty cool. Uh, in terms of just what a guy like Nick Saban does, I mean, what do you know about the the stuff that Nick Saban does that makes him a different recruiter and that kind of that showmanship, if he has any, on the way he recruits? You know, it's funny because Saban doesn't have – I mean, he, he definitely, you know – he definitely has showmanship. He definitely has a process and 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 and, and pays attention to detail and, and all that stuff. But it is so traditional um, still. I mean, you know, when Lane Kiffin is out there, you know, taking kids on rides in sports cars, uh, that's awesome and hilarious, and I think a great recruiting tactic too. Uh, but but it's a it's a completely I mean different approach. Whereas Saban, if anything, I mean, what Saban does now is what they were doing in the the 90s the 2000s the 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 80s the 70s like he 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 is a guy that is going to go into your home he's going to make it a point to say like the most important thing to him is how well can i establish a relationship with your parents which is a classic move but bobby bowden esque right there saban gets to play with you know you know when you play uh texas hold'em you got two cards Mm mm-hmm Saban has amassed like not even a third card, but a fourth card uh, to play with now um, because of that, like parlaying that success into more success. I mean, how many NFL players? I mean, there's not an NFL roster that doesn't have an Alabama player on it. Right. I mean, it's it's literally just, hey, if you come to Alabama, it doesn't even really matter. Like, as long as you're talented and you work hard and you help us win, like, you don't even have to be the star of the show. You're going to get drafted. Yeah, like, exactly. Like, that's that's truly the whole thing for him. I mean, and when you're recruiting at that very, very, very top level, when you're trying to get five-star recruits and the high-level four-stars, I mean, literally, that's the number one thing is what are my professional chances what what you know what what how does alabama get me there get me to the nfl better uh than you know georgia or what have you and saban just credits the track record i mean just credits well look at all these fucking guys yeah um whereas you know people like kirby and lane and stuff they can say you know lane you know Ole Miss has put out some fantastic talent the past three or four years, better than I would say they did under Hugh Freeze, who was cheating to get his recruits. Um, But, you know, they still can't say, okay, look across the entirety of the NFL – and 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 see it when you join when you go to alabama you're not just like one getting prepped to go to the nfl but being an alabama like alum or being an alabama based player with that many coaches and players and influence over the nfl that's a huge thing you're gonna get more tryout chances right you're gonna get more of a look especially early on when you're 20 if you're you know let's say you're undrafted free agent i so slade bolden the white wide receiver that uh played and you know some people start to notice him nationally in the sec championship in a national mm-hmm. championship game he's going to the nfl uh this season i truly would be shook if slade bolden got drafted above a seventh rounder i i could see him you know being a udfa he will absolutely get a fair chance at making an NFL roster this upcoming year because, yeah, that Alabama connection is just—you can't really top it. Yeah, I mean, you prepare for prepare for this, for the success in the NFL like no other, and that's kind of why I wanted to ask you is because I got thinking about it as I'm, you know, and I've watched Norvell, you know, hit the recruiting trail hard and and you know hit the transfer market, which is a whole new different thing that you know that's become more and more relevant in the recent seasons. But watching Kirby and hearing things about Lane and uh, and what Lincoln Riley is trying to do out in USC. Uh, Cristobal, uh, Cristobal, excuse me, and in, in, uh, uh, in Miami is another good example of it. But that's kind of what I ask because I'm like, I just don't think Nick Saban has to have the bells and whistles because, like, I, I mean, we have we have a kid here, Terry on Arnold, that I cut co- that we used to cover, and I was at his signing day when he picked Alabama, and he came home around Christmas time. I was doing a story with someone, and he was home around his high school friends, and I got to just talk to him a little bit. You know, this is prior to the, uh, this after the SEC championship, prior to the college football um, uh, playoffs, and just getting to talk to him, and, and like, the how different 
you know, he just kind of carries himself. And he was always a good kid, don't get me wrong, but the way he carries himself from what he was in high school to just being around Nick Saban, like, I could tell. I was like, holy shit. I was like, you're a fucking, like, you're a man. <laughs> like, you're you're out here with a, with a fucking goal in mind and everything. And, I mean, and that's what bought him in. It's like, you know, Saban didn't give him bells and whistles. Simply, Saban just gave him time. Like, it's all, he just took the interest and, I guess what his high school coach told me, which is something that Nick Saban does a lot that gets in these recruits. So a lot of times you hear about, you know, your offensive coordinators, assistant coaches kind of being the first person to call, you know. I mean, granted, Tyrion was a four and a five star prospect, so he's a big get on a board. Nick Saban's the one who's making that call. I mean, you pick up the phone and Nick Saban's on the other line. Uh, I, I, I told his high school coach, I was like, I hate Alabama, but I was like, what kid is not going to be like, hey, mom, Nick Saban called me. Uh, I'm going to go to Tuscaloosa. I was like, I think I've made my decision. How, like, how, how can you not? You know, it's and that's why I wanted to ask is because I just don't. I think a guy like Saban, it's amazing to see what he can do without having the bells and whistles uh, of what some of these other programs have to get. It is, again, I hate to have to give credit to him, but it is it is special. It is a really, really special thing to be able to witness as a sports fan and a college football fan. Yeah, I mean, it's one of those things where it's like, you know, you don't ever question Bill Belichick. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, when Bill Belichick makes decisions or, like, cuts a guy or, you know, whatever, everyone goes, there might be an initial... Man, I thought that guy was really talented, or I thought that decision was really off. But even if it ends up being the wrong decision, you really don't like. You go, well, he, that's. I mean, he won. He's won five Super Bowls or whatever. Or he's won seven national championships or mm-hmm. whatever. I mean, you know. So it's that's that's the deal. Is your pitch, your bells and whistles, is the rings straight up? Yeah. Like there's something. There's a level of gravity that is added uh, to your to your tone, to your speech, to your whole energy when you know you can you can say you're a proven winner. Well, and it's something to be said that if you know you're gonna be there for four years and you're almost you know you're guaranteed to have a ring in one of those seasons, hard to say no to. So. Well, that's the other thing that I think is somewhat underrated is that there was never, at least for the past decade, never really been a question about is Saban going to leave Alabama? You know, like there's a lot of places, even Ole Miss with Lane Kiffin. You know, it's it, Lane's a perfect example. I, I know I keep bringing him up, but but there's a very real chance that Lane Kiffin's not the head coach at Ole Miss next year. Mm-hmm. Like, Could be. Next year. So when you're getting recruited and the coach is saying, you know, I'm in it for the count, when Saban says it, you know that's true. When other coaches say it, you're like, well, I can see you getting fired in two years or I could see you, you know, jumping ship. So it's just uh, it's wild, man, truly wild. Very much is. That's uh, something something to always keep your eye on, too, on, on Twitter and all that good stuff. Ev, I think that is uh, just about all the stuff that we need to get to today. I think it's time to wrap it up. Uh, where can they go to get us all the information and all the updates and all the interactions their heart may desire on the social media world? Uh, they can go to at Down In Out Podcast on Twitter. Uh, we share new episode links on there. We'll occasionally tweet other stuff. Uh, you know, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll interact with you if you have something to say to us. We'll happily uh, uh, answer your tweets and, and, and uh, hear your feedback. Uh, and speaking of feedback, you should also go on whatever you're listening to right now, whether that's Spotify or if that's Apple or if it's Stitcher, and you should give us a five-star review. Um, that's a... Uh, a, a kind thing to do it makes you a good person for sure um but it also helps us and uh you know in, in case you know new people are wanting to listen or potential advertisers or anything like that come across the podcast being able to show them a, a you know a five-star podcast is uh is is very very good uh for us so uh we appreciate that we'd also appreciate you go show some love to uh, jd masters and buddha i have an ice cube in my mouth that i need to spit out here I thought I was gonna be out. It was gonna melt quick enough, but it did not. Sorry about that. But you go show some love, JD Masters and Buddha. YouTube, SoundCloud, anywhere you stream our podcasts, like Apple, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, you'll find them there as well. Go show them some love. Go listen to their music. JD's 
Got the beats, Luda with the rhymes. It's all good stuff. Friends of the program, friends of ours. Evan, let's go get our Friday of work in and then maybe get to enjoy a little bit of this weekend with football. Uh, have fun writing for the Niners, folks. It's been fun. It's been real. It's been down and out. And until next time, arrivederci. Later. And cause a hassle Have you looking at me like Who is this bastard Cool like ice Big slam pop like medicine That isn't really yours But you take it with your friends Cool calm collected But I love to act hectic Sitting in the corner In the dark like Riddick With the notepad out Thinking about lyrics I ignored your story Cause I didn't wanna hear it Bitch Did you ever really catch a switch Where I went from rock to boot A cop vibe like a fish Assist like white chocolate Handing out a dish If the devil Shows up in my soul, he just wish I might accept the offer Cause I wanna grind like cause and give the trophies to my mama Make him sweat like a sauna Cause act like I can't Then I'ma spit like a llama Take your girlfriend out And give a Balenciaga So check me out, fill me up and watch me bounce Cause the new man in the mirror is looking like a mouse Switch places, change faces Now Buddha runs a house Trust hip hop more than bitches So I'ma take her as a spouse Or at least a concubine If in front of my guy feel the I'ma grab it like a shield and I make it shine Cause when I'm polished I'll abolish if you cross the line That's how I am feeling Keep growing like a giant go through the ceiling Man in the mirror doubled up now you all the fuck We go again but when we stop blazing Boom boom pow pow what you gonna do now Especially when I bring the energy like it's a powwow Besides find a man paint your face cause you a damn clown Look around only one that is and I'm a wagon now the name is Buddha, bitch. Damn, JD. Uh, look around, only one that isn't on my wagon now.